Bienvenidos a todos. You are listening to the Paseo Podcast, where we highlight stories by, from, and about the Puerto Rican community. My name is Joshua Smeza de Leon, and I want to thank you for downloading this episode. If you are listening to this on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are streamed, give this podcast a like and subscribe to it. It makes a world of difference. We started this podcast as a way to bring attention to the diverse and vibrant stories that make up the Puerto Rican communities here in Paseo Boricua in Chicago and around the world. From La Isla to the diaspora, we hope you enjoy what you hear. Hello, everyone, and bienvenido to the Paseo podcast. It's me, Joshua. Follow me on Twitter if you want, at JS de Leon. Pitch a story or reach out to the show on our website, paseomedia.org. Be our friend too, at Paseo Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. If you only want to listen to the interview portions of our episodes, that's totally cool. You can do that on our YouTube channel. Of course, while you're there, like our videos and subscribe to our channel too. Um, por favor, <laughs> please. Um, it's really appreciated. Uh, I feel bad asking, always throwing that in there. Um, but it really does make a difference. So if you have a free second, you know, like our videos, subscribe. It goes a long way. On today's show, we welcome Nicole Alvarez. She currently is based in Puerto Rico and she works in film and television production as her day job. She's the co-founder and coordinator of Activate PR or Activate PR, which is a collective dedicated to bringing awareness to the importance of Puerto Rican independence from a present day lens. We're going to discuss predatory gentrification in Puerto Rico today. Uh, there's been a number of news stories over the years bringing attention to the policies contributing to the pushing out of Boricuas on La Isla in favor of affluent individuals, mostly white, to move to Puerto Rico. Some examples include things that we've talked about on the show before with uh, past guests like the Jones Act and La Junta, uh, but we're also going to talk about privatization and tax laws like Act 60, among others. So we're going to talk to Nicole about some of these policies and how they're impacting the island as well as what the Puerto Rican government is doing to combat gentrification. Hint, not much. Make sure to listen to this whole episode because we do share some numbers on how much wealthy individuals and corporations that move to Puerto Rico have to pay in PR under La Isla's tax law. If you don't know, the numbers will blow your mind. Just thinking about them makes me really upset, um, but they're important details to know. I should note, you'll notice today's conversation will sound a bit different. That's because we're sharing a conversation that I led at Bomba Live 2, which was the virtual Puerto Rican festival that raised money for organizations working with survivors of domestic abuse in Puerto Rican communities. But first, I wanted to share some new stories that have been on my mind. This first new story is really heartbreaking. If you listened last week, you'll know that Last Saturday, we had our Puerto Rican People's Day Parade here in Chicago. Now, I went to the parade with my family and other family members, and it was a really good time. The parade ended at about 3.30 p.m., and we hung out in the park for a while, then headed back home. Traditionally, the week leading up to and the weekend of the parade, Boricuas can be seen in the area and throughout the city, hanging out of their cars with our bandera flying in the wind. There is a joyful energy in the air. Well, and this is where I put a disclaimer because this is a, a pretty graphic story. So if you don't want to hear um, this, you know, just know that that's, that's a warning now. Um, so if you want to skip ahead uh, about a minute or so, um, you know, that's totally understandable. 
But you know, later that night, joy did turn into tragedy as shortly after 9 p.m., just a few blocks away from where the parade had ended, a young Puerto Rican couple, 24-year-old Giovanni Arzuaga and his 23-year-old partner, Yasmin Perez, the mother of their two children, were ambushed by a group of men. In the video posted widely on social media, you can see Yasmin getting pulled out of their car, beaten, and shot. After the first shot, you can see Giovanni putting his body on top of hers and then the gunman standing over him with his gun drawn, shoots his gun a few more times, eventually killing Giovanni. Yasmin was rushed to a hospital where she was in critical condition, but we learned yesterday that she had succumbed to her wounds as well and uh, passed away. There are no suspects in custody, though detectives have said that they have a number of leads in the case. Here's what Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot had to say about what happened. The mayor today calling what happened horrific. It wasn't just one person, but there were others who were standing by who dragged that poor woman uh, out of the car. The individual, um, the, the man who was killed, usually literally used his body as a shield and he paid for that with his life. It's a horrific statement. It's a horrific statement about those men who were involved in that. Shout out to WGN for that clip. WGN also got some thoughts from one of Giovanni's friends as well. Here's a clip of what they had to say. This was my homie. He was more than just a friend. I looked at as him as like a big brother. And he was just a real, like a real nice dude. Like we even lived next to each other. I didn't like, you wouldn't expect this to happen to him. It's an awful story, hands down. I mean, it's 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 an awful story to read about, to, to watch, to, hear about it's 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 just so wrong on so many levels and I hope authorities find whoever did this or they or whoever did this turns themselves in because um, what happened wasn't right or just and the loss of one human life is one too many because of someone's anger now two kids will go the rest of their lives without their parents it's effed up and speaks to the larger issue of our city needing to make the equitable investments in our city to help prevent things like this from happening. And when I say investments, I don't mean giving more money to the police. I mean addressing the disinvestments that have been made in BIPOC communities. Our schools don't get the services they need, TIF dollars are used to gentrify neighborhoods, CARES Act funding wasn't even equitably distributed amongst people that needed it the most here in the city, housing discrimination still exists, and we put a ton of money into policing and barely anything into social services that can help address the root causes that lead to violence like this. I know this is a heartbreaking story to think about, but you can do your part in helping the family by making a donation to their GoFundMe page to help pay for funeral costs and medical expenses. We'll drop the link in the show notes, but you can also do a quick search online and find it. And looking at how much they've been able to raise, the goal was 10 grand. I think they're over 100K right now. So the generosity of people in the city, in the diaspora, from La Isla, um, and really anybody that um, sympathizes with the family and is just so heartbroken by this story. Uh, you know, there, there's a lot of generosity out there. So I'm sure the family's really appreciative of that. I'm sure they wish they had um, their son and daughter, brother, sister um, back in their lives. Um, but if you're listening and you're able to help them out, uh, I'm sure that money could go a long way. Um, and especially to the two children they leave behind. In other news, Puerto Rico cannot catch a break. 
An earthquake just hit the island today. It was a 4.3 magnitude earthquake 10 miles from Lajas, Puerto Rico. I have yet to see any news coverage of it, of course, but I'm hoping and praying everyone is okay and no one is hurt or killed. Wanted to also share a follow-up to the news we shared last week about Luma Energy, the American-Canadian private company that has been given a contract to control Puerto Rico's electrical grid. El Nuevo Dia reports that more than 100 organizations in Puerto Rico and the diaspora sent a letter to President Joe Biden to stop the disbursement of funds to Luma to rebuild the island's electrical grid, which is nearly $10 billion that FEMA allocated to rebuild the island's energy system. They are saying the funding should be withheld until Luma and the Puerto Rican government can ensure funds will be used to promote renewable energy and comply with environmental regulations. The organizations indicated that FEMA funds allocated after Hurricane Maria and again in the billions should be allocated to install things like solar systems on the roofs of PREPA's clients and individuals. They have also expressed concern about the potential rate hike, which is something we noted on last week's show. The lack of accountability here for higher energy costs and administrative failures is zero to none. This is an awful deal to begin with, and we continue to see example after example of why that is the case. Look no further than the continued blackouts people have experienced only weeks after Luma took over the electrical grid. On a happier note, Orlando leaders, along with community activists from the organization Alianza for Progress, gathered on Wednesday to unveil the new street sign for Roberto Clemente Road. You may remember we talked about this story a few months ago when the push for the renaming of Stonewall Jackson Road began. So happy, really happy, to see this actually happen. And the road is now named after a humanitarian and a one-of-a-kind baseball player who I think is the GOAT, Roberto Clemente, instead of after a Confederate general who fought to preserve slavery and probably, most likely, I'd say about 110% was not a good guy. Shout out to everyone at Alianza for progress and anyone else who was involved in making sure a champion of justice and all around hero was honored in Orlando. That's all the news we have for today. As a reminder, this is our last weekly episode for the summer. We will publish a couple of best of episodes over our little break and get back into the swing of things this September. I think we're gonna start posting on our Instagram officially too. So I know, I know people have been asking, when are you gonna post, when are you gonna post? It's gonna come, it's gonna come. I'm gonna post, don't worry, don't worry. It's, it's coming, okay? Just, just chill out, just chill out. I'm gonna be posting stuff. Um, still trying to think about what exactly uh, that will look like. Um, as much as I love promoting the podcast, I think we want to do a, a, something a bit more with our Instagram account. Um, so stay tuned for that. Let's jump into our interview with Nicole Alvarez. My name is Joshua Smizer de Leon. Don't let the Smizer fool you. It is a German last name, but my father was adopted. So uh, it's always a fun way to ice, break the ice when I, when I meet people. But I am a Boricua uh, based here in Chicago. I, I do a number of things, but I'm here representing a project, a labor of love that I started a, a couple years back called the Paseo Podcast, where we're dedicated to highlighting Puerto Rican stories by, from, and about the Puerto Rican community, not only locally here in the Chicago diaspora, but throughout the world. So we've done a number of episodes. Check out our website, paseomedia.org, uh, to learn more about us. Listen to our entire catalog uh, of guests from 
uh, elected officials to artists to just people doing amazing work throughout the diaspora and on La Isla. So again, just happy to be here with y'all. Uh, I want to welcome our guest, Nicole Alvarez. Uh, she is the uh, co-founder and coordinator of Activate PR. It's a collective dedicated to bringing awareness to the importance of Puerto Rican independence from a present day lens. Uh, she's also a New Yorican. She's currently living in, in Puerto Rico right now. She's in paradise. Her day job is uh, film and television production, and she's committed to writing Puerto Rican stories that tell the world uh, we are here, presente. Um, so similar, I feel like Nicole and I are simpatico. This is actually our first time meeting each other uh, on camera for this conversation on gentrification in Puerto Rico. So um, Nicole, just very grateful for you being here today. How you doing? Thanks for having me. I'm doing good. This is a layered conversation. Let's get right into it. I'm going to see if I can actually share my screen um, so everybody can see what I'm referencing. But um, by chance, uh, did you watch that Mayweather-Logan Paul fight? No. Okay. I don't like upset. I like boxing, but I like Puerto Rican boxing, and nobody in that ring is Puerto Rican. So. Well, let me share this. Let me share this photo so everybody can see. Yeah. Um, this was a screenshot from that fight. And normally, when in a boxing match, you have your name, your record, and where you come from. Uh, Logan Paul uh, <laughs> uh, decided to say that he's from Dorado. Um, what, what goes through your mind when, when you see this image, that this white man is saying, hey, I'm from Puerto Rico, even though he just moved there a few months ago from L.A.? I think that's more for tax purposes. I think that's more to keep the IRS off his ass because he has to say that he lives here so that he can continue to tax evade. Mm -hmm. um, that's one of the first things that comes to mind. The second thing that comes to mind is people like my dad who grew up between Carolina and Brooklyn. And it's like they've always wanted to stay here. But the reality of many of our parents is that we have to go outside to work. Um, so it feels insulting. And, um, you know, he's been telling me he only watches YouTube videos to watch like car stuff. And then he's been telling me that stuff about people moving to Puerto Rico has been popping up and that's been affecting him a lot. And you know, that bothers me because he's 60, oh, a little bit over 60. And, you know, I just I would love for him to have the opportunity to come back here, too. Yeah, no, I hear that. And, and you know, I wanted to start that off because I just feel like you know, he's a prominent he's a prominent YouTuber. It's been the topic of conversation, at least on Boricua Twitter, from what I've seen. Um, and but but this goes beyond Logan Paul and his brother moving to Puerto Rico. It's bigger than a couple of YouTubers moving from L.A., from the States to La Isla. Um, it represents a larger, it, the larger issue of gentrification on La Isla. So I was just hoping, I was hoping like you could give us a little bit of a breakdown, like share a little bit about what gentrification looks like in Puerto Rico today. Like what are the forms it's taken? Who's buying land? And, um, you know, is it just private land being purchased? How's public land being, being used? So I know that's a lot, but, um, you know, hoping you can give us a sense of, you know, what does gentrification look like in Puerto Rico? Gentrification in Puerto Rico. Um, it's very similar to what we've seen in the States, right? So when gringos first come into a neighborhood, they're too, I don't want to say embarrassed, but they're too shy to speak in front of you. They walk past you. They're very quiet. Um, that's what happens at the stage when they're not the majority. I have to context this with saying that I am from originally Los Urres. So I saw gentrification as a child, um, moved to Chicago, didn't meet many Boricuas saw gentrification there in a, in a predominantly Boricua neighborhood, which was Humboldt Park, um, came back to New York, moved to the South Bronx, 
So we're more gentrification where salsa and hip hop was born. So I, I can identify very well what gentrification looks like. And we're at the stage where we're still the majority. So they kind of walk past us, they're quiet. Um, there have been moments where they have tried to behave like they're in the States, um, in the sense where they center their gringoness. They, they, it's, it's a little bit interesting because in the States, everybody speaks English, at least a lot, the vast majority of people speak English. Even a lot of us first or second generationers speak English. Um, it's kind of disgusting to see them be out here and demand that people who are in Puerto Rico with the first language is Spanish speak English because that's supposed to be the official second language. Um, but you know, it shouldn't be that way. So that's what it looks like here. Um, it looks like them being too afraid. Sometimes a lot of them walk across the street when they see a lot of the, a lot of us, my boyfriend is a black Puerto Rican. And so, you know, they get a little nervous, um, that, you know, when, when we're in the gas station and stuff like that, it's just the typical stuff that we see in the States in terms of how that gentrification looks like up front. Um, a lot of them don't like to wear masks. So, yeah. And then in terms of who's buying the land, um, public and private land is being bought um, by corporations and by individuals looking to tax evade. Um, the silent killer that a lot of Boricua should be, you know, cognizant of is when you're booking an Airbnb here, um, you might see John from the States, Jack from Nevada, um, buying a house in Puerto Rico to then rent on um, at the Airbnb at $200 a day, $100 a day, $150 a day. Um, and it's violent. It's, it's violent because a lot of them are taking advantage of the 5,000 that were um, that died during Maria, uh, during the months and years of Maria, the neglect of Maria, and the 200,000 people that left that, during that time because, you know, this was months of not having, and sometimes in some cases, years of not having electricity. So they're taking advantage of um, those lands. And, and these gringos are very aware of that. Um, I had this one white man in La Pela come up to me and asked me if any houses were available. And I told him, absolutely not, and don't come back. And so he said to me, no, but it's it's okay because I'm poor. And it's like, wait, but you're looking to buy a house and nobody cares about how much money you make. You still are privileged enough to want to buy a house in a country that you're not from. This is not the time. And he said, no, but I'm gay. This has nothing to do with your sexual orientation. Once again, gringos tapping into marginalized people to want to uh, infiltrate our spaces and, and become rich off of our spaces um, is a problem now like it was in the 1500s. And so it's very important to note that what's happening here isn't gentrification, it's colonization, um, because we are a nation with our own language and our own culture. Well said. Um, and yeah, I always, uh, always frustrates me when we ever, whenever we try to have these policy debates, we get into uh, things like identity as somehow that is the that's like your um, your pass, you know, like, oh, this is my pass. Like I fit. I check these identity boxes. Therefore, I can't be an agent for racism. I can't be an agent for gentrification. I can't be an agent for oppression. I mean, that's 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 so false. It's 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 not um, it's not the real world. If anything, it's just you're trying to uh, justify the pain and the violence you're bringing not just not 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 just that's not just saying like it's exclusively physical violence when i say violence i'm talking about economic violence as well um, i'm talking about disinvestment so looking at the government of puerto rico their big thing is you know we're in a recession we want to bring investment 
to the island. Like that's the talking point. Like how do we bring investment to La Isla? How do we bring it back to prominence? Uh, and there are a number of laws, tax laws specifically, that have been done to uh, under this guise of this is how we're going to bring investment to the island. Um, the one I want to focus on today with you is called Act 60. What is Act 60? What should we know about it? So Puerto Rico has a very infamous history of um, incentivizing outside businesses to come to Puerto Rico and not pay taxes, their fair share taxes. Um, so in some cases, none. In some, in some cases, just their fair share, um, you know, based on how much they're making. So Act 60 is a law comprised of 11 different incentives, or I, I would rather say 70, 74, I believe, different laws. I'm not exactly too sure. And then there's 11 different chapters. Um, broken down into 11 different categories. Individuals, which we used to know as Act 22, which is now Chapter 2, Individuals. Um, Act 20, which is now Chapter 3, um, at the financial incentives um, or financial services. So that looks like Peter uh, Schaaf, I believe the guy's name is, that formed Europac. He has been very vocal about tax evading in Puerto Rico when he started his own financial management service company, um, which allows for different um, shady individuals who would not normally be approved by a regular bank to be approved by his bank. So that's financial services, insurance services, um, a number of other things, agriculture, infrastructure, um, small business, medium sized business, as if we don't have our own or, or have a, you know, a need for our own. Um, as well as as um, entrepreneurship and, and um, aircraft and maritime. So that looks like the lanchas that go between uh, the Vieques, and we know what's going on with Vieques right now with the with, and, and Culebra as well, with the inability to be able to go back and forth from the mainland to La Nenas or La Isla Nenas. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's violent. This law comprises of a lot of different things, and... The way that I kind of see it is that it's the complete colonization package. It's literally you get to pick. It's like if you're a colonizer, it's like a menu of how you want to colonize Puerto Rico. Do you want to do it through infrastructure? Do you want to do it through, you know, buying up, for example, parts of El Yunque and, and investing them in, in tourism and, and in properties like that? Um, you know, all of these things have um, environmental irresponsible um at the, what's the word that I'm looking for? Repercussions as well as um, financial because it perpetuates the slave economy in Puerto Rico to where Puerto Ricans have to work for Americans to be able to make money and survive here. Hmm. Can you share a little bit more about the other tax incentives? I know before we were uh, hopping on this call, we were talking about Act 20, Act 22. Um, you had mentioned that those are rolled into Act 60. Um, can you share a little bit about, you know, what, what, what were those two acts, Act 20 and Act 22? So Act 22 was the individual investors. The difference between Act 22 prior and Act 20, and I'm sorry, Chapter 2, which is Act 60, Chapter 2 now, mm -hmm. is that it includes people like Brock Pierce and other cryptocurrency people that have been on record to say that they want to make Puerto Rico into their portopia, a place where, you know, the only currency is cryptocurrency. Um, we could only imagine the type of chaos that that brings along with the fact that um, cryptocurrency needs a lot of energy, the energy that Puerto Rico can't sustain right now. Um, you know, so that's 22. 
Um, the difference, also the, the violence of that law is that you could have not lived here between 2006 and 2011. They wanted to pass it to where you couldn't have lived here between 2009 and 2019, which means that you couldn't have been here through Maria, um, the terremotos, la pandemia. Oh, no, 2019 wasn't la pandemia yet, but a lot of other things, even even um, what's it called? The the um, the recession that we went through as an island once the pharmaceutical companies left. Um, you know, it's basically saying if you're Boricua, this is this particular chapter, chapter two, what was then Act 22 um, is, is you know, um, not for you. You don't get to avoid taxes. Everybody else does, but not you. Um, and that's just for them being here. They don't get they don't really have to do much except for move here. Um, a violent thing that that law specifically says is that you have to buy a house here within move with uh, moving here within two years. So you have to buy a house, which means that our property values are going to be going up substantially. Um, Act 22 itself um, is, is just focused on the individuals, but Act 20 is the exports. Why is that violent? Because right now we still have the Jones Act, right? Everybody who knows about the Jones Act, you know, you have to pay so much money for things to come and be imported. While we are completely capable of creating things for ourselves here, we have to get things imported and we pay an, an amazing amount of tax on that. Um, people get to export things though here for free, and not only that, but tax-free. Um, that's a problem because, for example, we just had a scare yesterday where se fue la luz. You know, if there's another time where se va la luz or, you know, there's another hurricane where boats can't come here or, you know, people can't get to the galones, the, the, the containers in time, um, people are, are asked out. So that's, that's the violence behind those two laws. But it's really important to note that Act 22 is now a parking law out here. So the fact that we mention it as Act 22, gringos love it because they're like, oh, they're so stupid. They don't know what's going on. And it's like, no, I can pillalo bien pillao como eh. Look, you're here under Act 60, chapter this, this, and this, or you're here under Act, you know, for example, Act 28, which is the private public contracts like Luma that are here that pay only 20% in income tax. They don't pay anything else. They don't pay property tax. They don't pay taxes on anything that they sell. They only have to pay that 20% flat rate. Um, and they've spent a lot so far on um, a Puerto Rican tax dollars and contribute very little to them. Yeah. No, I, I mean, you said a, you mentioned a, a lot of really good points. I just want to hang on to a couple of them here, a few of them here. Uh, you had mentioned um, you had mentioned something like the Jones Act, which uh, if people aren't familiar with it, definitely listen to past episodes of the podcast or Google it. I mean, the information's out there. But in short, it's a protectionist law from the 1920s. It requires that all interstate uh, commerce uh, within the United States be conducted uh, on U.S.-owned, crude, and manufactured ships. So when you think of something like Hurricane Maria and Irma and the relief efforts there, imagine like when there is a uh, a big a big um, issue that happens in the United States. Well, it's like the pandemic, we're running low on protective equipment. Okay, let's bring it in from whatever country has it. With Puerto Rico, you can only get it from the U.S. So that could mean that could mean you could be waiting uh, an, an exorbitant amount of time for necessary aid to save lives. Um, and that's something the Jones Act is, is just it's really awful for the island. Um, and to give you some numbers, we're talking about to your point, Nicole, like the uh, the financial burden that it brings on Puerto Ricans living in the island. 
the recent study showed that as a result of the higher price for goods, uh, the Jones Act has been shown to cost Puerto Ricans uh, a, a cumulative uh, $1.5 billion per year. And when you look at the sal- average salary from another study, I, forgive me here because I can't remember where that study was from, but the average, uh, the average wage earned for Puerto Ricans on the island is between $20,000 to $30,000. So on top of operating at a lower scale, of income than people in the United States, they're being asked to pay more for goods, uh, which is just ridiculous. Uh, and to your point, Nicole, you had mentioned like Act 20, Act 22 being rolled in. Some additional numbers just to give context for people. Like Act 20, like you mentioned, was for businesses. That means, and Nicole, you're the expert here, so correct me if I'm wrong, stop me at any point. But essentially, that lowers the corporate tax rate uh, for businesses from 21% that they would pay here in the United States to only 4% in Puerto Rico. Mind-boggling. And that's only if they make over $3 million. So if they're under that $3 million mark, they don't have to pay anything. Um, And another thing is that they only have to hire one Puerto Rico. They don't have to hire anybody. Like, they can bring in as many people as they want. And so so Puerto Ricans don't... Uh, theoretically, Puerto Ricans don't even get the full benefit of a business coming to the island. It might produce at minimum one. It only has to produce at minimum one job. One job. Um, and then for for your point about Act 22, yeah, it's for individuals. And check out this differential. It's even worse um, for for the capital gains tax. And for people that aren't familiar with the capital gains tax, that basically means. You're paying what you make when you profit off things like cryptocurrency, like Nicole mentioned, real estate, stocks, you name it. Um, but that lowers the capital gains tax from 37% in the U.S. that you would pay to 0% in Puerto Rico. Where do all those taxes go? The taxes that could go to, to, to services, uh, that could go to electricity, the electrical, uh, the electrical grid, so it's not being privatized by American companies like Luma. That is just tax money that is gone, that can't be used for essential services that could really change people's lives, especially working class families. Um, so with, with, all this, with all this said, uh, Nicole, you know, what, what is the role of the Puerto Rican government in all this? Like, how, I, I, and these policies are because of the, the PR government. Is there anything that the government's doing right now to try, try to help curb gentrification in Puerto Rico? They're accelerating it. Um, the PNPPPD, they're going to do a show and they're going to come out like wrestlers and say, oh, we don't like you, we don't like you, que vive la, la ela, que vive la estadidad. They do the show in front of everybody, and then behind closed doors, están comiendo del mismo caldero. So at the end of the day, are they gonna, you know, get rid of these laws? No, because um, it benefits them. Every person has to pay ten thousand dollars a year to charities. These charities, a lot of them we've seen, have been opened up opened up by ex politicians. Um, that funnel money to, to these people. And along uh, uh, alongside that, there's people that directly give them donations on the side, on their table, a lot of things like that. So once again, it's like, I think the numbers were like Peluisi. I saw somewhere that the numbers for Peluisi were like $60,000, I think in like one year in donations. Um, I'm sure it was, I'm sure that that's only the money that was accounted for, right? And so like, we don't know how much money is actually getting to them. Um, you know, there are dif- different elected officials, um, Maria de Lourdes, Maria Nogales, uh, Mariana Nogales, that are against these laws. Um, 
that are doing their best to write again, specifically chapter two or act 22, because that one is so specifically like targeted to Americans or not just Americans, but international people to be able to move here and tax evade and not do anything and buy up our property and drive up our property tax um, or just our property value. Um, yeah, but aside from that, like there's not a lot of people that because the majority of people are benefited in the um, Cámara de Representantes um, and in the Senate as well. Yeah, so you'd almost need a political movement of people going to the polls and organizing and really trying to get elected officials that represent the best interest of people on La Isla. Is there anything else that you feel should be done to prevent the further gentrification of Puerto Rico? Like, what role can people on the island, Boricuas on, on the island, uh, do? You know, what role can the Puerto Rican diaspora have in fighting against gentrification? I think that the diaspora, we need the diaspora. Yeah, I'm diaspora as well, and I acknowledge I'm diaspora, um, but I live here right now. But the diaspora, we need a diaspora to be a megaphone. We need them to get loud about this, just as loud as we are about our bandera, just as loud as we are about how much we love our towns, wherever we're from. We have to get loud about specifically this law. This has nothing to do with what status you agree with. This has everything to do with the fact that there is not going to be a Puerto Rico for Puerto Ricans if we don't get loud about this. Um, and that getting loud looks like speaking to people that are non-Boricuas to say, no, this is wrong. And this is why this is wrong. And if you believe in independence, let them know why independence is the best option for Puerto Rico and why now is the time. Because what they're trying to do with Act 60 is create a dependency on it so that in t 10, 20, 30 years, we're like, oh, ahora que vamos a hacer, los americanos y necesitamos de ellos. It shouldn't be that way. We are capable. Boricuas are capable. And one of the things that breaks my heart more than anything is that Luma is a perfect example. Some of the highest paid people in Luma are not Boricua. And so you're depending on people who know nothing about our electrical system, who know nothing about electricity at all, to um, you know be the highest paid, to, to live nicely, um, while the Boricuas eat shit and, and the ones that are working there, we have to still love them because they need a job as well. We're not against them. We're against the higher ups. We're against these American Canadian companies um, that are looking to cut us off. So I would say diaspora get loud. And on the, the island, the island's doing everything that they can. They're going in the streets all the time against Luma. Every time there's a protest against Luma, there's traffic all the way down, Tapon, Cabron, all the way down the block um, for miles. Um, you know, so they're, they're doing their part. We need the diaspora to do their part by making it, you know, just as a part of your everyday activity. Talk to somebody about Act 60. Talk to somebody about how Puerto Rico um, is being affected right now and, and let them know why it's wrong. Don't accept anything else. Nicole, really appreciate you dropping knowledge on us during this conversation. Um, like I said at the top uh, when we started, this is a nuanced, layered conversation. There's a lot of details. It's, it's very dense, but it's, it's more than possible to educate ourselves and just how important it is to pay attention to these tax laws, pay attention to what are the people that are in power, what moves are they making, and how does that trickle down and impact, and a lot of times negatively, everyday working class people. Um, these are things that I think is, is a great call to action for, for all of us that are, that are tuning in right now. It's, it's possible. Google exists. Like, you can do it. It's po just give yourself that time. Um, but 
If you feel like you have a question that came to mind or maybe a question pops into your head after this conversation's over and you wanna follow up with myself or Nicole um, related to this conversation or unrelated to this conversation, Nicole, I would love it if you could share, like how can people keep up with you? Like do you have uh, social media accounts, uh, website? Like how can people stay up to date? People can follow us at Activate PR. So that's Activate without the accent because Instagram is racist. They don't let us have our accent. Punto PR. Um, that's on Instagram and that's also on, on Twitter as well. And if you want to keep up with me, personal Twitter is at JS De Leon. Uh, the Paseo Podcast is on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Just type in Paseo Podcast at Paseo Podcast. Uh, and we'll pop right up. Website, paseomedia.org. You can listen to all our episodes there. If you want to be nominated for, or you want to nominate yourself or someone else to be highlighted on the show, or if you want us to cover a particular story, you can actually do that on the website too. Uh, or you can just email us at our email account, paseopodcast at gmail.com. Whew. Okay. That's, I always feel Nicole is the toughest part about ending these. I'm like, okay, what are all like the handles? Um, Nicole Alvarez, co-founder and coordinator of Activate, uh, Activate PR. Uh, really happy to have you today. Thank you for joining me in this discussion. Thank you. That's our show for today, familia. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did or didn't, let us know. Podcast at gmail.com or at Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We're off on break after this episode, but keep a lookout for some best of episodes we'll publish between now and then before we get back into our regular schedule this September. Until then, as always, if you want to pitch a story idea, nominate yourself or someone else for an interview, or share a new story you'd like us to discuss on the show, Visit our website, baseomedia.org, to do just that. Also, go to that website. We're going to be off on break. If you're trying to catch up on old episodes, we got like close to 70 episodes on our website. So you got plenty of content if you haven't listened to every episode to catch up on some of our conversations with the different Boricua in the guest seat every week. Um, so I think we got some really good content out there. Hopefully that, that holds you all over before we come back in September. Um, so until then, see you in a few months. Without our awesome guests, this podcast would not be possible. And without you, our listeners, this would not be possible. So we really appreciate you listening. If you want to reach out to the show, connect with us by visiting our website, baseomedia.org, emailing us at baseopodcast at gmail.com, and following us at baseopodcast on Facebook and Twitter. If you have a tip, want to pitch a story, or send us a compliment, we love to hear from you. Thanks for downloading this episode and see you next week. Cuídate.